QR codes annoy you? Okay. And I know they do. Some of you are like, don't bring those in church. I know it. There will be a link if you go to our homepage, yourhillside.com. Nick is back there now. He's, I think he's already done it. Put a link that you can go to Hope Partners in order to give to that. All right? Because you're like, I want to give. I won't do it with a QR code. All right. All right, so we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount, uh, how to live in the kingdom. Uh, And um, it was not how the people in Jesus' day thought it was. They thought it was about performing religious duties, being seen by others as righteous. Uh, But it just turned into kind of an act. And what that does is it, it actually corrupts the heart and fills it with pride and self-righteousness, um, that really is designed to impress people, but it's really not a, a genuine effort to get to know God. Now, we need to know, and this is a real danger for all of us. This was not just a problem in Jesus' day. This is a real, da- real danger for uh, all of us. Um, we can, it's, it's funny you can start out spiritually authentic. You, you start your spiritual journey one way, but as time goes on, you can see, and every one of us, if you've followed Christ for any length of time, you can see it can very, very easily slip into something that doesn't feel intimate and personal. Uh, that's just the reality about the human heart. Our, our evil is is so innate, strong, inward, there is this gravitational pull toward the self. And that's all really self-righteousness. And so if, and what we're learning about Jesus, this is what we're learning about him. This is a profound thing. This is a thing to contemplate. If, If that happens, he pulls away. He doesn't, he pulls away from that. He doesn't want anything to do with that. So you don't get points for it. And that's really hard to imagine too. That even the good things you did didn't earn points. So Jesus is teaching us how to avoid that horror. Because that's a horrible place to be. And if you're there, uh, there's good news. You don't have to stay there. Uh, Because Jesus is inviting us right now into something intimate and personal with him and and with God. And that's what we have seen in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus has given us a way to sort of assess our hearts, monitor our hearts, and as a result, protect our hearts. And remember, he's doing it by looking at three devotional activities, three sort of... uh, spiritual acts, and we've been 
these three things here. And we've already looked at giving. We've already done a little bit of praying. We're going to get more into that. And Jesus is, I mean, there's just some really profound things to look at as it relates to prayer. But these three devotional acts comprise what Matthew or, or Jesus is saying is, a, is your private, hidden sort of life, which you got to have in order to combat. Falling into that religious trap. It's a secret life. It's an inward life. These are hidden acts that obviously if you do them alone, they mean something to you other than for people to see them. And at least put you in a place where you can be genuine about your faith. Um, So... We're looking at prayer, and uh, when you look at the text, verses 1 to 18 cover these three devotional acts, but prayer is the most significant one. We've already seen Jesus say some things that are sort of prerequisites to prayer about how not to pray, and then, we're gonna, then you have the Lord's Prayer here, which is going to tell us you know, what we say. I mean, how do we think when we pray? What do we What are we trying to verbalize when we pray? And then there's one other element. I'm saving it. You ain't getting that one yet. And it is amazing. And it comes right after it before we ever get to fasting. And we've said that this is important because prayer is so integral to the kingdom life. Uh, As... One writer said, I said this, the infallible test of spiritual integrity is your private prayer life. In other words, your prayer life, and I think Jesus is trying to say that here, says a lot about your relationship with God. Says the most. So that means, listen, if you feel bad when you hear that, It's okay. That's the reason we're talking about to learn how to do it. Aren't you? Well, thank God. Because I need some help. How many of you just, just say, yeah, I could use some help with that whole conversation with God thing. Okay. That's what this is about. And listen, here's the thing about prayer. Prayer is a, we all, when we hear the word prayer, we think so, I mean, this is a religious high. This is hardly a term more religious and spiritual than the word prayer. All of us know it's intricate. Instinctively, we know it's intricate. We, we don't mind talking about it because we know there's something so utterly sacred about it. And yet at the same time, we will happy converse about it. We're happy to learn about it. We're just not happy to do it. Isn't that funny? Everything we're going to do Everything we've been doing and we're going to do about prayer is designed to get us to do it. Not think about it anymore. Do it. Uh, And I know it's scary and I know it's hard. So, Jesus tells us this. We looked at it last week and I love it. I just love this verse. When you pray, go into your room and shut the door. So, 
and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. That's enough. There's enough verse there to get you to pray. If nothing else will, this verse has everything you need in it. And it's almost, listen, it doesn't tell you what to say when you get there. It just says, get there. We, we talked about that last week. So before you say anything, you've said a lot if you show up. You say a lot when you show up. And I want to focus on that today. Because I think a lot of us don't know how to show up. Forget what to say. We're going to get to that. We're not showing up. So, uh, you ready to talk about that? All right, good. Remember, the goal is not to be smarter. It's to pray. All right. So, we're going to talk about this little space. Because remember, it's kind of a caricature, but, it, the, but the metaphor is very, very powerful. Okay. Um, and what we said about prayer, we said two things about prayer. Remember back here? Uh, where was it? Oh, here. Priorities and productivity. So when we talk about prayer, uh, let's talk about uh, priority and Productivity. Uh, when I talk about priority, I mean, when you cross over from the, we're going to call this uh, the world we live in, the world that we live in. Let's just talk about the world we live in. When you cross out, when you come out of that world into this closet, you, you are crossing over to spiritual reality in a profound way that immediately impacts what you're, what you're believing and thinking about priorities and productivity. So when we talk about that, we're talking about here, so by prioritizing, we're saying, my world, this world that I'm dealing with is not more important than getting here alone with God. That's the first thing you're saying before you said a word. You just showed up there. You walked away from something to get there. You always are pulling away. That's why you said shut the door, because you shut the door to a whole reality out there that usually has all your attention, all your anxiety, all your focus, and all your effort. We're all going nuts managing this. And you shut it off to come here. That is profound. That's saying a lot. And you're saying, I need to connect with God before I address anything in this universe, in this world. And so what happens here when we're talking about uh, priority, then the focus becomes relationship. When I walk away from the priorities, my, my goal is to connect with God. It's all relationship. This pulls me away from that hi hypocritical world of showy and outside and all the rest of the things. So it says that the relationship matters to me. So how do I know my relationship with God is genuine? Well, you'll leave everything behind, show up to meet with him. That's the first thing. 
Then the second thing is the productivity. And this is about how the world works, okay? How I see the world. Uh, my worldview, what's ultimate to, what matters to me most. So it's not just that I, that I uh, walked away from it. It's the way I see the world is none of this works well without him. This is my worldview. I mean, I get here because it's not just about making the world work. How does the world work? How do I think the world works? How does the world work in my head every day when I wake up and I approach life? And I'm either miserable or anxious or frustrated or angry because I'm trying to manage the world. That's a worldview. It's governing how you think and feel and act. And so this is how, this is reality. So if the first one, we show up, because we think, we think being connected to God is more important than anything. It's a relationship. But the other thing that happens is how I, how I see reality, how I see the world working. Now, I'm going to put this a little different way, because if we're going to deal with both of these, you know, when we show up in this room, then I'm going to deal with reality first. I'm going to deal with the reality one first. Um, so let me, give you, let me give you a verse that Jesus is going to bring up here in just a little while in chapter 6. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness... This is being good, right? We're asking, what's it mean to be a good person? What's it mean to, be, to live a good life? That's it. How do I do that? Well, it's got to be first. There's priority. And then all the rest of this stuff will be added to you. That's productivity. How do I get stuff? How do I have what I need in the world? All this is the other stuff Jesus says that we really are after. And if we're not careful, productivity will be all that matters to us. Just addition. Getting more. Figuring out how to make life work. How do I deal with those things? I got to prioritize God first. So you're either doing one or the other. You're either worrying about all the other stuff. If you're not pursuing him, that's the stuff that's on your mind. Addition. Not relationship. Management of the universe. That's what you're trying to do. Manage the universe. Not connect with God. God says, those things are second. Okay, so this is a profound truth. Deals with our priority and productivity. The kingdom life that Jesus is describing, the relationship with God where he rules, has to be sought first. And here's why. This is a profound truth. It says a lot about you spiritually. Because it is first. It came first. This is really important. I'm going to focus on it enough to where I have two different endings for this talk. If we don't get far enough, uh, or if we get, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm trying to say. All I'm saying is <laughs> I may have to end before because this is so important to me, and I just know it will help us pray better. It's helped me be more willing to pray, to understand prayer and to, and, and to pray more. And I struggle with it every bit as much as anyone in this room does. 
Uh, it literally is first. Okay? Spiritual reality is actually first. None of the world would exist without the spiritual reality first. Okay? That's saying a lot, Hillside. The material, visible world, physical reality, is made possible by the non-visible world. Metaphysical. So by virtue, by virtue of its origin, it came second. It cannot be first. It's not ultimate. It's not lasting. And here's something else Jesus is going to say in a little while. Sort of support this. This is what he's going to say. Hey, lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust do not destroy where thieves break in and steal, right? What's he going to say in the next verse? Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Because he's distinguishing between material, earthly, and heaven. And he's saying there is something more real, more lasting than this. That's what he's saying. Okay? Two realities. One's vulnerable. Very vulnerable. This is why we stay up late at night. This is why we do what we do. This is why we're a mess half the time. This is why we're on pills. This is why we, we can't sleep. This is why our relationships are strained. This is why everything's going on. Because of this place and all of the... There's a lot of words we could use to describe what we deal with every day, isn't there? I bet you use some too. <laughs> I bet you use. I do. I use some. Now, this is really important. It's not the ultimate thing. And if you're not connecting to this reality, this one's going to tear you up. That's what all the second half of Matthew 6 is about how the world will tear you up if you get these wrong. So, what am I wanting to say now? Oh, let me prove it. Let me show you. Look what, look at, let's go back all the way to Genesis and talk about how the whole thing got started anyway. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There they are again, both of them, both realities. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face. So you've got, before anything came into existence, okay, in the beginning, when there, not, when there was nothing, you have God acting, you have the Spirit hovering over. You have, before, before you had any of this earthly stuff, there was God. If you don't get anything else out of Genesis 1, you know how much debate's going on about Genesis 1 right now? That's all you need. There was nothing, and then there was God. God created it all. He always existed. He was there before any of it got here. This is incredibly important, and I guarantee you it's essential when you think about entering this space right here. 
Because you walk away from what was created to what created it. That's your privilege when you enter the kingdom. The universe is not particles. It's personal. The nature of reality, all reality, ultimate reality is a person. It's persons. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit operating and functioning together before anything else existed. Spiritual, personal relationships are what are reality. Out of that grew everything else. And when you step away from all of this, you connect with that. And you're saying this is first. Because it is. This is the reason, by the way, that I love science. And I torture myself to read it. Beyond my capability, I read way, way beyond my capability because the material world continues to point, continues to point to the metaphysical and the spiritual, uh, the personal and the divine. And it just hasn't, it hadn't stopped. Um, so I told you I'm reading this book, Believing is Seeing. And I love, it when, I love it when the smart guys make it simple. And Believing is Seeing is a, is a great book. Subtitle of the book is, A Physicist Explains How Science Shattered His Atheism and Revealed, his, revealed the Necessity of Faith. And it is, it is phenomenal. It was written last year. That's important to stay up on it. Science and still hear people say what they're saying about it. Uh, Buckminster Fuller said, "Everything you've learned in school is everything you've learned in school as obvious becomes less and less obvious as you begin to study the universe." That's the reason I keep looking into it. Uh, when you pray, you cross over into what I would say is the real world. It's the let me put it this way, the realer world, the more reality, because it's ultimate reality. And we get the chance to connect to the person who runs the whole thing. Do you realize that's what that's about? We get to connect to the person who sustains everything, makes existence possible. Prayer reveals our dependence On the physical. As soon as you consider going to pray, you'll feel the pull of how much you're dependent on that reality and how you literally have to pull yourself away from it in order to step here into this spiritual world. And you know what it does? It's the first thing it does, and it does it every time you do it. It reveals just how unspiritual we can be. So one writer said, and I've, I've loved this for a while. It's helped me. Failure to pray is not 
to break a rule. It's just a failure to treat God as God. This is my God, not this. And as soon as I cross over here, I'm recognizing who runs the place. And if, and if I don't run to him, I have chosen a lesser God. You say, what, is all that, what does that have to do with prayer? Well, in our culture, science is the ultimate authority. It speaks and people listen. Uh, and it's saying loud and clear just about every platform it's given that belief in God is ridiculous. Um, belief in God is to be out of touch with reality, and we're bombarded with so-called the, the secular brilliant, secularly brilliant. As one writer said, our souls are literally soaked with secularity. So that means that in subtle but very significant ways, we doubt whether God really does run the universe and whether or not he really did make it. And we prove that every time we struggle to get into that little space. We can't pull away from the physical reality that science keeps saying is ultimate. And you know what happens? You know what happens? It just becomes psychologically impossible to step into that room because we're just not really sure it just really means anything. And that has, on Christians, has created, makes it extremely difficult to pray with any fervency. So... I read science. And I'm going to tell you, you continue to run into mysteries. I'm not going to give them all to you. Mind-blowing contradictions and impossibilities. Uh, And I'm going to tell you something right now because I've been doing it a long time. Nothing in science has been discovered that has fundamentally changed the knowledge of reality and ultimate reality. Nothing. And as smart as we are in these last say, four decades. We still can't, we can hardly prove anything. So don't don't be dismayed. It's just the opposite. We continue to be dumbfounded, incapable of explanation of the mystery of the universe. And Michael Gillian, who, who, Gillian who, who wrote this book I'm reading right now, Believing and Seeing, uh, calls, calls the world that we live in Wonderland. It's like living in Wonderland because there's so many amazing truths 
And, you know, I've always been drawn to more the micro when it comes to, like, quantum physics kind of a stuff. I can't do the math. Don't, don't, don't even. In fact, he says, and all good physicists just say, just look at math equations as art. <laughs> and I like that. I can do that. Oh, how pretty. <laughs> and they are beautiful. They're beautiful when they try to explain what's going on. But I've been sort of pulled by some of these physicists into astronomy because, like Plato said, or at least, you know, the physicists will say it's the most emotional and the most spiritual of the disciplines to look out. When you look small, it's, it, there's, a different, there's a different dynamic that happens when you look in the smaller world but when you look in the bigger world. Uh, Plato said, for everyone, as I think, must see that astronomy compels the soul to look upwards and leads us from this world to another. That's what he wrote in Republic. And by the way, it is still true. So, hang with me. There's a reason I'm saying all this. Um, So my favorite writer calls Jesus the master of molecules. And he writes this, and I want to read it, and I just want you to listen and just take it in. At the literally mundane level, Jesus knew how to transform the molecular structure of water to make it wine. That knowledge also allowed him to take a few pieces of bread and some little fish and feed thousands of people. He could create matter from the energy he knew how to access from the heavens, right where he was. He cannot be surprising that the feeding of the thousands led the crowds to try to force him to be their king. Surely one who could play on the energy matter equation like that could do anything, turn gravel into gold or pay off the national debt. Do you think he could get elected president or prime minister today? He knew how to transform the tissues of the human body from sickness to health and from death to life. He knew how to suspend gravity, interrupt weather patterns, and eliminate unfruitful trees without a saw or an axe. He only needed a word. Surely he must be amused at what Nobel Prizes are awarded for today. I love that line. In the ethical domain, he brought an understanding of life that has influenced the world, thought more than any other. We shall see what this means. In the, in, you know, he's going to talk about it. And one of the greatest testimonies to his intelligence is surely that he knew how to enter the physical death, enter physical death, actually die, and then live beyond death. He seized death by the throat and defeated it. Who needs cryogenics or cryonics? The biblical and continuing vision of Jesus was one of who made all created reality and kept it working, literally holding it all together. And today we think people are smart who make light bulbs, computer chips, and rockets out of stuff already provided. And he made the stuff. Are you really going to pray to a God? Are you really going to leave this mess, which, by the way, needs your attention, constant attention? You've always got to be thinking. you always got to be designing. you always got to be planning. you always got to be figuring stuff out. Are you really going to leave that world? 
if you don't believe he's in charge of it, if you don't believe that he knows the truth about how the universe works, that he's competent to handle those things, and not just the big stuff, I'm talking about the little stuff that concerns your life. Are you really going to step into that room if you think that, you've, that you have the time to step away from it or it's just going to all fall apart because you weren't there to spend time with the God that you don't think is going to help you at all? You won't do it. I will tell you before we ever hear a word that we ought to say when we get there, that's one of the number one reasons we don't go there. Before you ever, if you, listen, we will very often, <laughs> if you don't see him as the ultimate scientist, if you don't see Jesus as the ultimate scientist, I'll tell you what, you'll just handle matters yourself. And if you don't show up to that room, that's exactly what you're communicating loud and clear. You're not big enough, I'll handle it myself, even though it's going to put me in the grave to do it. We will cry, we will say, we just don't know how to pray. And we'll, we'll, we'll chalk it up as ignorance. It's just unbelief. When I meet with him, I'm meeting with the ultimate scientist. I'm meeting with someone. When I think of Putin, who has the king's heart in his hand, he can't do one thing that will not ultimately accomplish God's purposes. I don't know how to pray for Putin. I have prayed for Putin this week. I do not know how to pray for him. I don't know what the right things to say are or not. I know it's far bigger than me. What I am confident of when I enter that room, all the uncertainty that that has created, I only have one place I can take it. I don't know everything to say to him. All I know is I get in there, I go, God, this doesn't look good. This doesn't look good. And it's got us all scared. We've been scared of Russia since I was in high school. And like everybody's bringing back all those fears. He has the king's heart in his hand. He has every single situation under control. He will handle it. We'll drive ourselves crazy if we don't get into that closet and talk to them about it. Because it's just as much therapy. Entering into that closet is therapeutic 
Otherwise, you just stand over here and you just add that to the pile of the stress you're already dealing with, which is already more than a human ought to deal with. I got to, I got to, I got to talk to, I got to talk to the ultimate, the guy who knows, who brought it all into existence or I'm bad shape. You know, the line, this is what I love, I love, the, I love this, uh, I love this line um, when you're talking to God. When you're talking to God, like, who do you think you're talking to? You know that line? It's sarcastic when we say it to each other. I'm asking literally. Who do you think you're talking to? Somebody who doesn't care? Somebody who doesn't know what he's doing? Somebody who didn't make it all? Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, Lord. Because many of us pray like we're talking to someone who has no clue. And this is the reason we don't pray. Because you're like, who am I talking to? Because I'm going to tell you, Jesus is going to tell you something else about who you're talking to. He the first line, the first line, I think it's right here. He's not just the ultimate scientist. He's your dad. He is not just the ultimate scientist who knows how, all, how particles work and how galaxies work. He knows what's going on in your life, and it matters to him. And when you step into that prayer closet, you're making a of the proclamation that connecting to him is more important than anything in the world. And I know he cares about me. And I'm going to tell you, if those two things aren't real, you'll never get there. Somebody, you could take a course, you could take courses on prayer and never pray. Because, because it confronts you with your view of God. It confronts you with it. And we struggle with it. And our faith is at our faith is at war right there, crossing over, man. I'm going to tell you right now, war right here. Step into this room. Waste precious time. When I could be out here making life work, being productive, adding to my world. Because we don't think this is addition. We think this is subtraction. This is loss. This is time wasted. You know, uh, so I went to hear Jordan Peterson uh, not long ago. I like, I like, he's one of, the, one, of, one of the people that I like to listen to. I like how he thinks. He makes me think better. Um, he's not always right, and even I know it, and I'm not even smart enough to catch him in all his errors. Okay. So I listen to other smart people who help me figure out where he's wrong. Okay? That's literally what I do. Because I'm not smart enough to know all the time. Occasionally, it's, I can see it. But not always. But we went to hear him. Uh, here in Irving here. A couple weeks ago. And, uh, and his daughter came out to introduce him. And I'm sitting there going, you grew up in that guy's house. And what was really fun was to hear her talk about what it was like to grow up in that house. And I'm like, it made me mad at my parents. I was mad. I was mad. It's like, well, did we know anything in that house? Gosh, how 
smart I could have been. Ah. And here Jesus, here Jesus, the ultimate scientist, he says, hey, when you get in there, start off by calling me dad. That's as far as I can go. Because if I get going now, I'm off a cliff. I'm, I'm hanging off a cliff right now. If I fall off, we're going way down deep. So it's okay if I stop right there. I think we've said enough. We've said enough. I haven't said a word about what to pray except, hey, Dad. <laughs> that's all you know to pray. And if you get there and that's all you say, I think God will love it. And you'll start to connect. So. Yeah, just bow your heads. Just go ahead and bow your heads. Let's stop right there. Oh, Lord. Father, we come before you, and I, I just want to say on all, all our behalfs, very often, we don't look at you like you're the smartest person in the world. We just don't. We think you could save us and get heaven to us one day. But we don't think you're smart enough to handle what's going on in the world. And that makes us not bring our, our concerns to you. And we're sorry for that. We're just sorry for that. We are reminded today that nothing exists without you. Nothing can be sustained without you. And to be able to talk to the person who made it all and runs it all is such an honor. And you tell us to just call you dad. All that that means I pray for this room, everybody in it that we will pull away from the stuff that's not first to connect with you. Because you're not just the smart guy. You're our dad and you love us and care about everything that's happening in our worlds. And that is a wonderful thing to know. 